Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mouth of the Time podcast brought to you by the Shields Gazette. I'm Dominic Skur here with Miles Stafford and Joe Buck for what will be our final Mouth of the Time podcast of 2021. Miles, I'll start with you. It's the first podcast we've done together. How has the festive period been treating you first and foremost? It's been good, to be honest. Yeah, it's been good, but I'm still frustrated about Monday night. I still don't know how they didn't win win that one given the chance they, uh, they created but I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to that but I'm, I'm good thanks uh, um, so far COVID free and uh, hopefully going to stay that way yeah fingers crossed and Joe how could I forget about you how are you doing I'm doing great thank you how are you Dom the other horse people don't ask the <laughs> so. I'm good like I say I'm probably in a similar boat uh, miles frustrated about Monday night unfortunately Newcastle couldn't get a belated Christmas present in the form of three points against Manchester United. 1-1 draw on St. Maximan when he opens the scoring, you think could be um, one of those nights under the lights at St. James's Park. Great atmosphere, but um, Edinson Cavani in the second half cancelled that out. So, yeah, frustrating one. And Miles, you touched on it before. Just how did you see that game overall? Two points dropped for Newcastle? I think, I th- I think you'd have to say so if you were going to take them on you would take them on now when they're in transition and on the back of a couple of weeks where they're not they've not trained properly they've not had a game they're not sharp you can you could see that in their play they they'd um they were they weren't at the levels you'd expect of a manchester united team um you know the, the head seemed to kind of drop quickly some quicker than others um and they were there they were there for the taking really and i think the, the crowd sense that the team sense that so it was just frustrating those two or three chances um, in the second half where where I think this team at the minute, it's going to need a second goal. Um, mm. uh, and, and that was going to be all important. And unfortunately, um, it didn't go in. Yeah, it's frustrating. David De Gea made a couple of very good saves. That one from Ansem Axman in the second half and obviously Miguel Armouron late on. Joe, you were at the game too. What was your sort of big takeaway from from the draw against Manchester United. Yeah, I totally agree. It was one of the ones where I think going into the game, I think it probably would take a point. But as the mm. game unfolded and as Newcastle, I wouldn't say dominated, but I think they definitely created the better chances. A draw feels like two draw points, and it probably is, especially in the situation they're in now. Um, they could do with winning games like that. But it was nice to be back at St James's, and it was, as everyone mentioned, it was probably one of the best atmospheres it's been for a long time. And it was just nice to feel like the team were pushing, they were trying for the win, and that actually there was a hope and a belief that they probably could do it. And as you say, that one at the end with uh, Miguel Almiron, I, I don't know how to hear saves it from the second he hits the post and falls to Almiron, you think he's just going to bury it in that top corner, and he pulls out an unbelievable save. And I think that sort of summed up the night, really, that it was just them fine margins that sort of went, went Man United's way and didn't go our way, and that was it. Yeah, frustrating one, keeps Newcastle two points adrift from safety and obviously the teams above them, Burnley and Watford, have, have a few games in hand as well. Um, one man who did grab the plaudits on Monday night, a big positive to take from the game, as he has in quite a few games in recent weeks, uh, Joe Linton, drawing comparisons, maybe a, a little bit tongue-in-cheek comparisons with the likes of Patrick Vieira, Zinedine Zidane, people like that. Um, Miles, just what have you made of Joe Linton's Transformation, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I've I've been critical of him. I was cri- critical of or questioned the decision to, to to sign him because he's a lot of things, but he 
one thing he wasn't was a fourteen million pound number nine, and I think that was the problem. Um, mm. It was it was quickly apparent he he wasn't um, the player that <clears throat> the club needed to to to, to lead the line. Um, you know, of course, Rondon had gone at the time. Those are big boots to fill. You know, Steve Bruce often talked about him on the left, but he, he never got the best out of him, whatever position he played in him. Um, but he, he's a different player under Eddie Howe. We, we might not have a £40 million striker, but by the looks of it, the other night, we've got a £40 million midfielder. He's he, such a powerhouse. He's, you know, he's got that technical ability and that power and physicality and drive. Um, he, he, he was outstanding again, and he, and, and he ha- as he has been in, in quite a number of the games uh, uh, since Eddie Howe came in. Um, extraordinary performance. Yeah, and um, Joe, what have you made of Joe Linton? I guess he's taken everyone by surprise um, past month or so since Eddie House came in. Absolutely, I echo everything Miles said. It's, there was, if you sign Joe Linton as a £40 million midfielder, as he is now, I don't think anyone would bat an eyelid because some of his performances have been unbelievable. I mean, I, I know you're itching to talk about this, Tom, but that little nutmeg he did right <laughs> in the corner, that was just... Like um, two months ago, Jordan would never have tried that and it probably wouldn't have come off even if he did. But to see him do that and have the confidence was, it's unbelievable. Like, it's just been such a transformation. I'm just so glad because you see Joe, uh, no, Joe, you see Sean Longstaff at the end of the game, you know, crediting Jordan and his work rate in training and his ability and all that. And I think watching Jordan on the pitch, you can see that there is a player in there and you can see he's trying. And it's just nice to see it finally happen for him. Yeah, he's been. Brilliant. I'd, I'd echo what you guys have both said. And um, Miles, you told uh, Eddie Howe said to you after after the game that Joe Linton's playing with confidence and sort of reaping the rewards for that. But unfortunately, I guess a negative to come from that game, um, aside from the two points drop, were injuries to Callum Wilson, suspected torn calf, Alan St. Maximan, again with a calf issue, and Ryan Fraser with a hamstring issue. Just how big a blow was that in terms of? those three players, but particularly Callum Wilson out for what looks like a, a long period. Yeah, we, we're waiting for any more confirmation from the club. Um, of course, Eddie Howe's press conference for the Everton game has been cancelled. We haven't had any more kind of official statements. Howe said very little about the injuries, but if there's two players you don't want to be injured uh, at this team, it's Callum Wilson and Alan Sun Maximum. Um, Obviously, Eddie Howe suggested that uh, some maximum's injury wasn't as bad as Wilson's, but that's still a worry. And of course, Wilson, one thing we've always been concerned about really is is the, the team's reliance on Wilson. If, if he's injured for any length of time, and we've seen this before, uh, he's had hamstring problems, who comes in from who steps up? Um, and that's a big worry going forward. If, uh, I guess that's a big if. Um, it is as bad as we, we all fear and, and we're looking at kind of months rather than weeks in terms of his absence. So it just adds a bit of urgency ahead of, ahead of, ahead of January too. Um, and of course, we know finding a striker, a proven striker, one that can score goals in the Premier League is, is very, very difficult in January. Uh, and Fraser too, he's, he's a player who's, who's been improving um, since Hal came to charge. Of course, they know each other well from Bournemouth. Um, he left the field uh, with a hamstring problem, so we'll see how he is. But uh, all in all, uh, the, that that performance really did did come at a cost. Yeah, definitely. And it brings us, I wouldn't say nicely, but it brings us on to the Everton match um, scheduled for this Thursday being postponed, which is 
Received an interesting reaction. We've seen um, Southampton's manager, Ralph Hasenhuttl, um, sort of criticising almost um, the postponement um, due to injuries um, with the likes of Wilson, St. Maximum and Fraser out. But obviously, Newcastle, Eddie Howe confirmed uh, COVID in the camp. Um, they do still have the two play players, um, best players arguably, out injured and then have the match postponed. But given what we know about the situation, Joe, um, the Everton game being postponed, was that a surprise to you after what was heard after the Monday night game? Absolutely not. As soon as Eddie Howe comes out and says that there's COVID in the camp and we know how it spreads, you think that there's got to be you know, more than... It's got to multiply over the next couple of days. And to be honest, I thought this game would be cancelled, but I thought it would be Everton that might have done it because obviously their game on Boxing Day was against Burnley was cancelled. So... I, I think I'd sort of set myself up for this cancellation, but I didn't expect it to come from Newcastle. But I don't know if, if I want your opinions on this. It seems we had the backlash that Newcastle have had. For me, I've not seen anything like the backlash against the other teams that have had their games cancelled. And I wonder why it seems to be Newcastle. Yeah, I think... Yeah, um, sorry, Matt. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because if you, if you think Everton's, Everton's last game, injuries were cited when that was postponed. Um, you know, the Premier League state, you need you, you need 13 players plus a goalkeeper to play. And it, and if COVID and injuries takes you down to that number, um, well, that's that's below that number. That That's where we are. Um, so uh, we'll have to see about Southampton. It's hard to see the situation improving much before then. Um, and of course, it's, uh, well, it's hard to see hard to see that game get, being played and we don't what we don't know is if, if there's any further further cases but Ralph Ralph Hasenhuttle's comments were interesting he, he doesn't know how much COVID it, there is in the camp if the, if the situation's worsened he's talking about the players on the bench of course two of those Elliot Anderson and Joe White were academy you know, essentially academy players they're not senior first team players um, they're not part of the, 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 the kind of 25 man Man squad. Um, he seems keen to get Sunday's game played. Maybe he's just put trying to apply a little bit of gentle pressure on the on the Premier League ahead of that game, sensing an opportunity for his team. That's what I would read into that. Of course, on social media, um, fans have been been weighing in on this, and I'm, I'm sure you've probably got something to say on that, Dom. Yeah, I think a lot of the frustration towards this Newcastle postponement from from outside um, opposition fans probably down to the fact that a Newcastle team you'll play prior to the January window, i.e. Thursday in Everton's case, um, will be a significantly different team to what you'd be playing later in the season after the January window. So it's likely when Newcastle um, do travel to Everton, whenever that game takes place, um, they, in theory, should be a significantly strongest side in terms of they'll have potentially two of the stronger players back. They'll have be bolstered in January. So a lot of the frustration, I guess, comes from from that, really. A bit of jealousy, almost, in the, the fact that um, Newcastle are expected um, to strengthen. And I think even with the decision to postpone the game, even if it happens uh, with the Southampton game as well, I'd say Newcastle have benefited um, from this postponement and potentially more postponements, given... Um, it's just before the January window and given the COVID and injury situation, I'm, I'm sure um, you guys would agree with that. Yeah, 
but potentially with obviously the caveat we don't know what's yet going to happen in january but um mm. certainly that they'll be in a better position than they are this week and in terms of the the, the, the players out uh the you know the numbers they're missing um but i think you're right in terms of it's the timing is one thing that you, you lose your two best players one day and, and a day later the, the next game's um postponed um but yeah, as you've said, there's COVID in the camp that they they can't field 13 players plus senior players plus a goalkeeper, and uh, it's quite quite clear really. And other other games, other teams in similar circumstances have had their games postponed. Yeah, and I guess that brings us nicely onto January. Um, we expect quite a lot from Newcastle given given the takeover, and certainly more than what we've seen for the past 14 years in January under uh, former owner Mike Ashley. So, Joe, I'll start with you. Um, what do you want to see uh, from Newcastle in, the, in this January transfer market? The main thing I want them to see, want to see from them is just to get their business done early. I don't want, you know, I don't want to be rooting around on deadline day of, you know, them trying to get three or four signings in. For me, I think the best thing for them to do is to get them, get the signings in and just get them done. Like, Newcastle play, obviously, we don't know about the Southampton game. But the game after that, and the, the next game after that, is Watford on the 15th of January. Now, that gives them pretty much two weeks between the window opening and that first Premier League game to get transfers in and to get the players, you know, fit and ready to play football. And that's what they need to do. So I think if they can get the business done early, that will stand them in much better stead for the rest of the season. Yeah, and Miles, what would you say the priorities are for Eddie Howe um, in the coming weeks? We'll have to see what the, the, the diagnosis are diagnosis is on uh, Wilson but uh, you know I've long said that if Dwight Gale's not the answer when um, Callum Wilson's out and he you know he's not been starting games under Bruce and how when he's been without Wilson um, then they, they need another solution really so you're looking at a striker which is, which is a, a, a big uh, a big ask in this window of course defensively you'd look at um, you could uh, look for re reinforcements across the back four and something, uh, something in midfield, really. Though Gillington is probably um, the way he's playing in those kind of a, a more central areas uh, makes that potentially less pressing. Um, if, if and that's a big if, you can get Joe Willock back into the kind of player uh, we saw last season. Of course, the club will want to do its business early, but as we see every year, January, every window's an elaborate dance with many moving parts. And that's easier said than done. We let, let's hope they have got something which some deals, one or more deals, which can be done early. This this window's fraught with problems. Uh, for once, the club's got money to spend. You know, under Mike Ashley, we didn't didn't see money spent too often. There was that one January when Sissoko and others arrived, reinforcements, and that and that was um, that was a a big influence on what happened in the second half of that season. But they're, 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 there's, there are rivals, Premier League rivals, who don't want to deal with them for because they don't want to strengthen a rival. There, there's obviously um, issues in terms of the takeover and other clubs. So there's, there's also, there's players which um, don't want to join a club which is 19th in the Premier League. Um, and if they are going to get players in on permanent deals, they might have to write relegation clauses into those deals. It, it's They've got money, but it's it's not going to be an easy window, and and it and it never is at the best of times, really. Um, so let's hope um, that they've got something uh, 
well, one or more deals lined up early, but uh, as we know, these things tend to, to, to run to the deadline day. Yeah, is there a risk where if we get to, say, the Watford game and there's no marquee signing as such that the external sort of concern and scepticism from fans could potentially start to creep back in or is it important everyone just stays, remains patient? Or can fans afford to remain? Can the club afford to be patient? I think we, if we can continue to see the kind of improved performances and, and hopefully results that we've seen, then I think everyone's going to. I think you can expect more patience. We, we've seen a marked improvement in performances. Okay, results haven't necessarily followed in terms of wins. There's only been one since he took charge, but um, I think fans have seen enough to to, to be patient, even with the, the squad we've got. There's been a big, big improvement. Um, of course, you get to the back end of the window and, and, and there's, there, there aren't any signings that, that a little bit of impatience is understandable. But um, I think, yeah, if you can get an early deal done, as Joe said, uh, that, that would certainly settle the nerves um, ahead of what could be a, a tough final part of the window when, when you know, as we know, everyone's going to be scrabbling around looking for that little bit of quality. Yeah, and um, Newcastle ending the year 19th in the table, two points from safety, 19 games remaining uh, this season. Can Joe, can you remember potentially such an important transfer window for Newcastle as a club in terms of their bid to sort of survive in the Premier League? Absolutely not. I think the only one I can compare would be probably five years ago under Steve McLaren when they were in a similar position. And they got yeah. you know Townsend and Shelby and and at the end of the day that didn't actually make, you know help them survive but it could have done and I think they've, they've got to do the same again they've got to be proactive and get these players in because it is going to be a big month not on the field and off the field and I think that their season will probably be defined by how they get on in the next you know three or four weeks. The, the yeah. message seems to be from those you know in and in you know in in and around the club is that they're they're going to have a good go. Um, but they're equally they're kind of wary of promising too much because they, they they know just how difficult it it, it it can be. Even putting aside any the issues with in terms of dealing with clubs and rivals not wanting to, to to deal with them, you've got to persuade players players that are going to improve this team to join a team which is potentially nineteenth in the Premier League table, um, and you've got to be very persuasive in that situation. Yeah, definitely. And I guess on that note, we'll wrap up this week's Mouth of the Time podcast. We'll be back again soon, hopefully with some positive transfer news and discussion in the new year. And in the meantime, you can follow all the latest Newcastle United news over on the Shields Gazette website by following Miles Starforth, Joe Buck or myself, Dom Skirt, on Twitter. We also have a festive subscription offer over on the Shields Gazette, which gives you 25% off your annual subscription, as well as £46 off a case of wine from Virgin Wines. And that runs up until the end of New Year's Eve. So there's still time to check that out over at shieldsgazette.com forward slash subscriptions. So yeah, Miles, Joe, it's been a pleasure and we'll see you all next time on the Mouth of the Time podcast. Cheers.